How the Chinese hack of Microsoft could be trouble for your business. That's next on the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. Welcome to the Cyber24 Podcast, the weekly podcast dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. We also look at interesting cybersecurity stories in the news and help make sense of them and see what lessons you can take from the cybersecurity incidents experienced by other organizations. My name is Marty Carpenter. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and general problem solving. We recorded this week's show via Zoom, and I'm joined by Paul Whittier from Adlumen, Dan Schuyler from Valcom, and Anthony Boise from Sophos. All right, guys, we appreciate you being here and lending us some of your insight and expertise. I want to start with this story this week. On March 2nd, Microsoft announced that they had discovered some vulnerabilities in its Exchange Server mail and calendar software for corporate and government data centers. They say the, the vulnerabilities go back almost a decade and have been exploited by Chinese hackers since at least January. So if you're telling me it's a problem for 10 years and you say at least January, I think there might be some kind of interesting situation here. Uh, The group, uh, which Microsoft has dubbed uh, Hafnium, I think I'm saying that right, has aimed to gain information from uh, defense contractors, schools, uh, other other groups with ties to the United States government. Uh, This all according to a blog post uh, from Microsoft VP Tom Burt. So you guys deal with this way more than I do. So let me ask you this as a start, and let's start with Dan on this one. How big of a problem is this? Well, this is huge. It, it, it impacts almost every organization or company that has an exchange on-prem server. Um, there are estimates that it could have impacted anywhere between 40,000 to 250,000 potential clients. And so, you know, this vulnerability goes back 10 years, but the exploit was just recently discovered um, back in January. So clearly this is, this is a huge vulnerability because not only has it been around for such a long time, but it impacts a significant number of Microsoft's customers. So uh, build on that, if you would, then, Paul, it's, it- Dan says big problem. I mean, 40,000 to 250,000, uh, com- is that companies or clients, Dan? I guess I should, uh, like, is that, that's that's number of companies, not just number of individual email address account holders. It would be clients, yeah. Yeah, clients overall. So Paul, what do you make of all that? Those are on-prem exchange servers. You know, the thing that kind of bothers me even more is a lot of people have been hesitant to moving to Office 365 customers that are more paranoid or you know have not been moving to office 365 and which accounts get hit the on-premise accounts that people are typically more paranoid to have their data up in the cloud so yeah if you think of everything that's happening on your exchange server and thinking that you got creepers inside there it's a big deal i i think mail could be the 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 worst piece of a hacker to get into because they can send, you know, fake emails, they can get data. It's just a horrible place to have a hacker into. Just make sure our audience understands the term creepers and what you mean by that. (laughs) Creepers, hackers, you know, they're all, they're all bad people. You don't want them in your network. (laughs) And it's, and it's a problem. And I take it that they, you know, when you have this long of a, a time period where there's a vulnerability that that brings with it some real challenges. Just how long have people been snooping around, creeping around inside your server, right? Anthony, let's go to you on this. 
Absolutely. So with this zero-day exploit and uh, vulnerability of these exchange servers, uh, it does, I, I guess I can say to a certain extent, thankfully it's only, sure, it's existed for the last 10 years and thankfully this zero-day has only just sort of reared its head uh, recently. That said, yeah, these quote-unquote creepers uh, could literally have been on said system, and we are seeing we are seeing use cases where there are actual customers whose systems have been uh, compromised, and uh, and where these these folks have um, or Hafnium these uh, Hafnium these uh, this nation state group uh, has has actually had some activity and it actually goes even beyond that. Um, you know, once it's, once it's exposed and once it's out there, other people get on that bandwagon again, just like, uh, Paul said, trying to exfiltrate data, trying to get to this valuable information. And it's not just a matter of that they get in and, and, and they're trying to get some information out. They're also dropping things there to, to be able to get in again later. And it's giving them an opportunity to be able to come back and and to be a repeat uh, visitor, and that's not good. And and just to be clear, so everybody understands this, Microsoft has issued a patch for this vulnerability, but the patch will not remove the hackers from any compromised system. It's just patching the vulnerabilities so uh, they can't be exploited in the future. So just because you apply the patch doesn't necessarily mean that you've removed any potential compromise that's already occurred. I just want to be clear about that, that the patch patches the hole, but any any hacker that's got through the vulnerability could still be in your system. And that's that's an important thing to note. And I like I like analogies. So it's it's the window is closed, right? But there's still gremlins in the house. So like that. <laughs> you still need to uh, remove the water because you remember if gremlins get water on them, they're going to multiply and they're going to get all nasty and, and messed up. So um, there's the window is closed if you patch, but it has not got rid of or it has not removed these gremlins necessarily. Yeah, I, I think it's important to note, you know, if I, I brought up a few examples from from Tim Evans, who was the commander of a hacking squadron. Important to note that he didn't typically use malware to get in systems. Once you get inside a system, it doesn't matter if it's the exchange server or anything else, the gremlins multiply, like, like Anthony said. They can now create accounts, they can remove, you know, move laterally they, can, laterally, they can send fake emails. Just imagine someone from the finance department being emailed by the CEO telling to wire money, you know, or any a number of things, you know, access to data, access to HIPAA data, access to databases, creating new user accounts. It, it goes on and on of the, the insult that could happen from someone being in the exchange server. It's extremely dangerous. So you run the patch that Dan mentioned, but then as Anthony put it, there are still gremlins inside the house. Uh, how do you know if your business has been affected? Uh, and I guess you could say infected in that case. And then uh, what is the process like to go and then get rid of the gremlins, so to speak? Like Dan, how, do you, how does a business go about that? If, I, if you're a business leader listening to this podcast, you go, man, this may be us or yes, I, you know, we use an exchange server. You know, what, what are the steps that need to be taken? So Microsoft has created a script that you can run against your exchange server to see if you have 
those potential vulnerabilities. And then of course, if you do, you have to patch them. But uh, like Anthony said, you know, if you've still got gremlins in the house, you need to call an exterminator and you need to start doing some forensic analysis and start looking at your log files uh, and start looking at any malicious activity that might be uh, abnormal to determine, do we still have a hacker inside our network as a result of this breach? So you basically need to take an incident response approach. And we've talked about those steps in the past. You need to, you need to consider that just because you patch this vulnerability, that this is an ongoing incident and you need to take the steps that we describe with regards to an incident response. Yeah. I mean, you need to look at forensic logs and, and data that's happening um, holistically to see if anything, you know, what an incident responder will typically do is they, they, they come in and they look at logs. If you have a SIM, it makes that process a lot easier, but you, you have to be able to go look and see, you know, what is this a user account? Did, what did it do? What did the machine do? What's the exchange server doing? Is it talking to other systems on the network? Did something move? Lat- There's so many things that you would have to look at forensically um, to be able to make sure that something's not moving around and doing things, you know, naughty on the network. <laughs> <laughs> now that's if we make T-shirts for the podcast. That's naughty on the network. I think is our first. Don't t-shirt. be naughty that's on great. the network. <laughs> There's gremlins in the house. Don't be naughty on the network. <laughs> Look out, creepers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So if if I may add, Marty, um, and and. Because this is such a specific type of event that has very, very real implications, um, I'm going to just not talk conceptually for a minute and talk very specific and even potentially prescriptive without, I, I can't, me, Anthony Boise, I cannot solve the problem, right? But, um, but with the solutions that can be provided by the three of us that are on this call, both Valcom at Lumen and and Sophos, with what we are able to bring to the table can absolutely help an organization get in front of this. And I'm talking about in front of it, right? Starting from behind, but getting in front of it and to be able to help try and prevent or mitigate such things in the future. So some examples, just to, to both Dan's point and to, to Paul's point. So Sophos, Amongst other, Sophos is just one of those. If you have EDR tools today, so that's endpoint detection and response. If you have those tools today, great. I don't care if that's Sophos. I don't care if that's CrowdStrike. I don't care if that, I mean, I could name a whole bunch of different products in the space. If you have EDR tools, you need to make sure that you're going and doing a set of uh, investigations as identified by Dan and by by Paul. Uh, A source of that investigation may be going in and taking a look at your, not may, it would be your SIM and taking a look at those logs and taking a look at those transactions and and what's potentially being left behind. There is a window in which you're wanting to go and primarily take a look at. There are also um, certain queries or certain searches and certain uh, discovery type activities that you're wanting to perform and you're wanting to look for. Patching is one thing, just like Dan said, that's patch that hole. That's great. That's, that is step one. You want to make sure that you do that. But then outside of that, you need to be going and looking for specific Welsh, uh, web shell uh, activity and specific things in your environment. Now, companies like mine, Sophos, and I, I have seen on other um, folks that are in the industry providing these threat hunts 
and tools for you to specifically like copy and paste and throw into your threat hunting tool to look for these types of activities and to look for these types of files that are still kicking around. So I would absolutely jump on that as soon as you can. Now, you may not have time or the ability. You may have the tool set and you may not even have the tool set. So if you don't have the time, the ability or the tool set, I strongly recommend, and you've got exchange, right? You do your patching and you reach out to, to Valcom. You do your patching, you reach out to Valcom, they reach out to Sophos or whoever they reach out to, or you can reach out to Sophos, right? And 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 Adlumen can actually even be on that list as well. So don't just sit silently. Don't sit there hoping, thinking, and praying that it's not you because if you have on-prem exchange, I would, I would first assume that is me and take action. Yeah, I would, uh, I would just reiterate what Anthony said, and I would agree that both Sophos and Adlumen have the technologies to identify if there are any gremlins that have gotten through the window and are still within your network. And so uh, don't assume that, and I can't stress this enough, don't assume that you, just because you've patched that vulnerability that you don't have some malicious activity going on within your network and you know, please contact Valcom, contact Sophos, contact Adlumen. We all have the technologies and the expertise to help you to determine if there are any malicious, if there's any malicious activity going on inside your network as a result of this vulnerability. Yeah, just some things that you would want to watch. You know, you kind of wonder what forensic things you would be looking for. Um, you would be looking for access events. You know, who's logging into the server? Process execution events what things are being executed on the device, anti-forensics, is anybody clearing security logs? You know who the only people who do clearing of security logs? Creepers. <laughs> you wanna see if there's file creation, any shared drive access, object manipulation, network communication, remote code execution, service manipulation, and device data. Those are all things that you would want to be looking for to see if someone's in your network. On top of that, whether you're buying it from Illumin or anybody else, all sims, a lot of modern sims, most modern sims have something called UEBA, which is looking for the you, you know, the user and device behavior and anomalies. That's the best way to catch things inside your network. Hackers don't know how to act like a legitimate user or a legitimate server, or they can't to do their job. So you want something looking for those anomalies and detecting on it. You can do this manually as well. You can look through forensic logs manually. It's uh, it's a mountain of work. It is a ton of work. I will apologize in advance. If what I had just said sounded like I'm saying the house is on fire, it's not what I'm saying, okay? Like I, I don't want people to start freaking out and but it is something you need to be conscious of and it is something that you need to take action on. Okay, like I said, just assume that it has happened, take action and do it. Um, but it's not a matter of, I'm going to wipe my servers, let's just, we need to get off this ASAP, right? Okay, the house is not on fire. There's just gremlins in it. But we do know that in the movie Gremlins, they do start the house on fire. So just make sure you clean up those gremlins. So, so um, to, to put that bow on it, Take action, 
use the tools that are at your disposal. If you don't have the tools, here's a little something that could possibly help you out. If you have Sophos today, you could start an EDR trial, um, 30 days free. And we have some of the queries that you could be running today to look to see if you have some of these this activity. But when in doubt, reach out and there are folks that can help you both on the uh, Valcom side and, and specifically, absolutely, uh, we're, we're tooled for it. It's what we do, Sophos. We can help you and, um, and good luck. You know, I, I remember lines from movies and I think it makes up a whole lot of what my brain actually contains. It's just movie lines and movie quotes. I don't think I've seen Gremlins since like probably 1984, about the year it came out. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but Ant so Anthony wins for I think the best memory and the best job of pulling from Gremlins to get us through our, uh, our discussion today. So a uh, star sticker for you, I guess, Anthony. Time to take a break, but first a reminder that Cyber24 is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to data center. Back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. Listen, IT leaders, I know how hard it is to manage your security posture. With dozens of different security technologies that vary in process, application, and response, wouldn't it be nice if you had security baked right into your actual server hardware? HPE's Gen 10 servers offer exactly that. As Utah's biggest HPE Platinum partner, Valcom believes that your server infrastructure should be a priority in your defensive strategy. Protect your organization with innovations in firmware protection, malware detection, and firmware recovery, right down to the silicone. Learn more and check out Valcom's on-demand webinar with HPE at vlcm.com slash server security. That's vlcm.com slash server security. Do you ever wonder what you would do with $12 billion? Well, that's the amount of money that business email compromising has cost businesses in just the last five years. Barracuda Sentinel detects threats that traditional email security systems can't. It integrates directly with Microsoft Office 365 APIs to detect attacks coming from both internal and external sources. It uses artificial intelligence to detect signs of malicious intent and deception within every email with virtually no IT administration required. Check out vlcmtech.com slash barracuda-sentinel to find out how you can save your company from a hacker's $12 billion business. That's vlcmtech.com slash barracuda-sentinel, B-A-R-R-A-C-U-D-A hyphen S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L for more information. Check it out today. All right, welcome back to the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, and that is What's Cool This Week? We take a little break from the ordinary. We talk about tech or non-tech things that we've stumbled across that we think our audience would want to know about. So let's start with you, Mr. Boise. I ask you, what's cool this week? Let me tell you. So um, this is absolutely tech-related. And it is about the new DJI drone, the FPV. And this thing, if you have not seen this, 
It is absolutely insane. So they literally talk about it redefining flying. And the short version is, is you put on these goggles that kind of look like a, an Oculus headset. You know, you, you, you put on these goggles and it's, a, and it's a screen inside of these goggles. And this thing, it is so fast. It is so nimble. Uh, this thing will do zero to 100 kilometers in two seconds or zero to 64 for those that still want to be on the old school imperial system, um, which most of our listeners. But um, anyway, this thing is insane. I recommend you go over to the DJI website and look at the DJI FPV. And there's a video that shows right up front. And you watch the video on this thing and you will see how nimble, how quick and how agile this thing is. And uh, I'm going to be most likely placing an order here in um, in the next week or so. So I'm pretty excited. I'm actually going to get to fly it this weekend and because uh, I've got a friend that he got his yesterday. Now, along with it, which adds to some of its, its uh, cool aspect, is this is a reasonably, you know, it's quite a expensive drone at the same time i mean it's actually quite um it's it's quite affordable and so that you don't go and try and you know cut your your teeth on the drone itself and worry about crashing this puppy it actually has a flight simulator built in so you can get your hours and your flight time on the goggles and working that virtually and then you can go and actually fly this thing and keep it in the air and and not hit stuff so in my opinion that's what's cool this week. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we will add the link to our uh, post on this podcast as well. So people can go take a look at that uh, on our website, cyber24.us. All right, Paul, your turn. See if you can match that level of enthusiasm. Oh, man. What's oh, man. cool this I, week? I don't know, but you know, having horrible weather to go fly that thing would not be fun. But I was down in St. George this weekend and went to Snow Canyon and it was 77 degrees. Um, that's what's cool. Now, if you could put Anthony's and mine together flying a drone in 77 degree weather, oh, it's just heaven. Like that's that's it. That's, you just you just found it. Well, hopefully, <laughs> the good weather. Get... Spring's coming. I mean, we got rid of pandemic last time. This time, we're getting warm weather. I mean, we're really hitting it on all cylinders. Life could could really be great. <laughs> Knock on wood collectively as an audience to make sure we don't get jinxed by uh, by Paul there. But that you're right. The, the funny thing is, of course, if you've lived in Utah for long enough, you know that you can't get too excited about those first two or three 70 degree days. That's that's fake spring. It was then followed by some snow. So I I just took it for what it was this time around and said, this is fake spring. Soak it up, but know that we're going to get hit again. And then I outsmarted it and I went skiing yesterday and got snowed on at Snow Basin, like big snowflakes mm-hmm. adding powder to the uh, to the runs at the end of the day. So now we can have regular spring because we've been hit with that uh, blast of winter as well. So I, I'm totally with you, 100% ready for springtime to show up. All right, All right Dan, uh, off to you now. What is cool this week? I, I thought it was really uh, cool of Governor Cox to tell everybody, regardless of how you feel about this pandemic and all of the policies to come out and say, let's stop being jerks to each other. (laughs) I really appreciated that because I'm sure there's a lot of politicians who'd like to say that, but don't, you know, are afraid to say that. And he actually came out and said, it doesn't matter, you know, how you feel about 
the pandemic or what your thoughts or your philosophy is political or otherwise, let's stop being jerks to each other. And I, I really appreciated that because I, I think we should start being nicer to each other and, and, and kinder to each other and more uh, respectful of each other, because this has been a pretty difficult situation for all of us. And I, I really appreciated that comment. Yeah. Civility in politics and generally in just public life, our interactions with one another, that is something that's very cool, not only this week, but every week. So I will echo that sentiment as well. Uh, all right, my turn. What I would say, uh, it's not as cool as a, an awesome drone. <laughs> it's not as pleasant as warm weather. Uh, and I guess it's as good as being nice to somebody. So I'll just say this. I have been editing uh, some videos in the past few weeks uh, on another project, some videos that I that I shoot that are of me. And then I, I come back and I, I've scripted them and I edit the whole thing together. And I kept running into problems with wanting to put up uh, subtitles or captions and YouTube will do that for you automatically, but a lot of other websites still don't. LinkedIn, Facebook, some of those don't do it quite as well. And so I found this website, rev.com, R-E-V.com. I'll give them a little plug. They will transcribe your video and, and give you like the file that you need to drop the captions on. And it's something like a buck 25 per minute of video to do it. So I think in two videos, I've spent a total of $12. My videos are like three and a half, four and a half minutes. And uh, each time I get this nice... Uh, script back and you get to watch it with your video and make any corrections for anything they may have missed that uh, didn't quite get right or if they misheard you somehow and uh, turn it around in a pretty quick, uh, pretty short uh, window, which is always nice as well, because I, you know, not, not in all situations can you plan out a week in advance. Sometimes you shoot it, cut it that night, the next day you need to post it. And if you can get those captions back and I, it, it, it's really interesting, the, the data behind it, the science behind it, that if you've got a video and people see that motion when they're scrolling through whatever you're posting it on. Uh, that's very eye-catching and they'll see it. Um, but then a lot of people will do that like I have done many, many times in my life where you're scrolling through something in a meeting or somewhere where you can't necessarily turn the volume on and to be able just to read it is really nice. And so that's been a nice, nice addition. That's what's cool this week for me because it has made my life easier. And isn't that the point of technology overall to make our lives better. Uh, yeah, you, you used that in the last uh, podcast and it was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, we did that. The Zoom will transcribe some of the stuff you got on here. I'll tell you, that makes this really massive, like solid block of text. <laughs> um, so still kind of working on that one on the Zoom side. But hey, I, I, I think it's great if you can give people the option to to listen or to uh, to read. It just takes what I think is the most sticky uh, and most effective kind of communication online, and that is video, whenever you can use it. Uh, but then to add to that the ability for people to uh, to read it, uh, it's, it makes everything that much more effective. So that's what's cool Absolutely. this week. Uh, guys, thanks for your time. Appreciate your insight as always, and hope you have a uh, great weekend. Well, a great week. Great weekend weekend. It's spring. Yeah. I hope everything's great. Lots of great. Yes. Okay. I like that. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at vlcm.com to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end -end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcm.com. I also want to thank our supporting partners, the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah, our friends at Secuvant, as well as the Utah Attorney General's Office and the Utah Department 
Department of Public Safety. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook. Hit us up in either place, let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe online.